Thanks for checking out Chemistry Connections on the Hopewell Valley Student Podcasting Network, a proud partner of HVSPN.com, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions represented within this episode are those of the content creators only. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Chemistry Connections. My name is Eva Leary, and I'm your host for episode seven, called Pharmaceutical Chemistry. Today, I will be discussing the thalidomide tragedy. Thalidomide was developed in Germany in the 1950s, and it's a sedative drug that was administered to pregnant women who experienced morning sickness and insomnia associated with their pregnancy. It's been around five years on the market, and it was later discovered that the medicine was actually the cause for babies being born with a rare birth defect called phocomelia, which results in severely malformed and underdeveloped limbs. The majority of these deformities occurred in Canada, the United Kingdom, and West Germany, so primarily over in Europe, a little bit in North America. And luckily for the United States, thalidomide was never actually approved for public consumption, just due to differing safety regulations. While it was safety tested on animals, the tests that they performed were never on pregnant animals. In fact, the results showed that even when delivered in extremely high doses, animals suffered no severe effects from the medicine. It was only after the drug was put on the market that tests were run on pregnant rats and rabbits, and they found that it yielded damage to both their embryos and offspring. Moreover, the experiments were extremely poorly designed, they lacked a placebo group, they excluded information about how long the treatment had gone on for, and it failed to use a double-blind procedure. The drug was finally withdrawn from shelves by the German distributor Chemie Grunenthal on November 26th of 1961, and it was recalled from British shelves just shortly after on December 2nd of 1961. It set a precedent for the regulatory requirements for safety testing drugs. It is frequently taught in toxicology classes in both college and high schools. Uh, We actually teach it right here in Hopewell. The British Committee on the Safety of Drugs was established in June of 1963, so just two years after, offering detailed regulations for the testing of potentially toxic effects on offspring using rats, mice, rabbits, and other animals. While the thalidomide tragedy drastically decreased confidence in the pharmaceutical industry, there's not really been a similar incident since with prescription drugs in the United Kingdom. And nowadays, thalidomide can't be administered to anyone who is possibly or is pregnant and is now instead used to treat a number of cancers and skin conditions such as leprosy. So before we start talking about why thalidomide had the effects that it had, let's start talking about some of its general properties. You can take a look at our show notes below on our website. There's a chemical structure of thalidomide, which has the molecular formula of C13H10N2O4. Now, thalidomide contains several different intermolecular forces, and the first of which are London dispersion forces, and these are the weakest intermolecular force, and they're present between all molecules, so regardless of whether they're nonpolar or polar, and it's important to note that the heavier or larger an atom is or molecule is, the stronger that these forces become. The second intermolecular force experienced by thalidomide are dipole-dipole interactions. Dipole-dipole interactions occur between two polar molecules, so the negative pole of one molecule experiences a coulombic attraction towards the positive pole, and vice versa, sort of like a magnet. They're stronger than London dispersion forces, but they're still fairly weak, and unlike London dispersion forces, which involve temporary dipoles, dipole-dipole interactions involve permanent dipoles. 
Now the final intermolecular force is hydrogen bonding, and hydrogen bonding is a special type of dipole-dipole attraction involving a permanent dipole between a hydrogen, oxygen, fluorine, or nitrogen atom, which are all extremely electronegative. Hydrogen bonding is generally stronger than most other types of intermolecular attractions, but it is weaker than intramolecular forces such as covalent and ionic bonding. Hydrogen bonding is accredited as being extremely important in drug design. Many other drugs, such as the antidepressant uh, Prozac, um, as well as Lipitor, which is used to treat high levels of cholesterol, they also contain hydrogen bonding. And that's because hydrogen bonds are extremely important in determining the strength between a, a given protein and something called a ligand. So in biochemistry and pharmacology, a ligand, which comes from the word ligare, means to bind, and it's when a signal is made to a binding site, on a specified protein. Furthermore, since thalidomide experiences hydrogen bonds, it means that the energy required to break the compounds apart is a lot higher. So this results in things like high boiling points and less volatility, higher viscosity, and decreased solubility in water. So like thalidomide has a boiling point of approximately 510 degrees Celsius, um, it's insoluble in water, and it's really only soluble in dioxane and pyridine, uh, somewhat soluble in substances such as methanol and ethanol. So now that we have a good understanding about the properties of thalidomide, a key understanding of chirality is essential in explaining the issue with the drug. So chirality is key in organic chemistry, and it's a geometric property used to describe mirror image isomers called enantiomers that are non-superimposable. So the best analogy for this is your hands. So despite them being mirror images, they can't be superimposed over each other, whether we rotate them or translate them. So this just means that if you were to place your left hand over your right, the spatial arrangement of your fingers is not going to be the same. The nomenclature of chiral molecules is called the RS system, where R stands for rectus, which means right in Latin, and S stands for sinister, meaning left. Sometimes you will hear people refer to them as right-hand molecules and left-hand molecules, uh, just for ease of communication. Enantiomers share the same physical and reactive properties, except for their effect on plane polarized light, which occurs when a light has its waves filtered into a single plane. They also have a lot of biological differences, such as odor and flavor, so that's why R-carvone smells like sweet mint and S-carvone smells spicy. Plane polarized light is used in a polarimeter, where the light is distributed in equal amounts but opposite directions, so when an equal amount of both enantiomers is placed in a polarimeter, it's called a racemic mixture. Now, thalidomide is just a racemic mixture of R and S enantiomers. So the R enantiomer of thalidomide has sedative properties, so basically what it's intended for, and the S enantiomer is tetragenic, which means that it raises the risk of or causes birth defects. That's what we don't want. So specifically, it degrades a cell protein known as SAL4, which is responsible for the full development of limbs and important organs. Um, unfortunately for us, scientists can't effectively separate these two isomers as they just convert into one another under standard biological conditions. Take a moment and see if you can spot the difference between the two. It's very small. So while thalidomide wasn't ever available in the United States, it had a profound impact on the United Kingdom, which is actually where my family's from. My maternal grandmother was actually offered thalidomide when she was pregnant in the 1950s with my uncle, but she ended up refusing it. And it's just crazy to think about the potential effects that this could have on my family had she just made a different decision. So while I'm going to university in the fall to study business and political science, um, mainly concentrating in law and legal studies, 
I've been really interested in the biomedical industry. So the past year, I actually worked as a consulting intern and I was given the opportunity to research and correspond with a number of companies, some related more to mental health, such as Big Health, um, as well as Tri Health. I also worked on something quite similar to Silicon Valley, but instead it's in Chicago. But one of the companies that I loved working with was Bexa, and that's a high resolution breast elastography device. Uh, the exposure that I received in my internship made me passionate not only just about the biomedical industry, but especially women's healthcare in general, which is why a drug that was administered to pregnant women just really stood out to me. When I came across it, I was interested to learn not only about its terrible, terrible effects on children, but also its tremendous impacts on revolutionizing testing requirements. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm thinking about going into law. If I decide to take a career path in medical law and ethics, I know that this would just be a quintessential case. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chemistry Connections. For more student-ran podcasts and digital content, make sure that you visit www.hvspn.com.